Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. I can show you. Don't you hold me back, no. I would die for this. I would die for this. Fazwaz Yazi's stage name is Enoch. That's his music. I would die for this. And no, it's not spelled E-N-O-C-H like the patriarch I heard Kale joking about that. It's so cool. It's spelled E-K. N-O-C-K, best name ever. He is a traditional Catholic rapper, and he will be joining us later in the show. His story is really beautiful as well. He was born in northern Iraq as a Syriac Christian. His family immigrated to the United States where he moved when he was five and has remained. He's now a homesteader along with his wife and children, and he's a Catholic rapper. So we are going to sample a few of his songs from his album called Traditionis later in the show today. Looking forward to that. And and hello, my name is Brooke Taylor. Welcome to Trending, filling in for Timory today as she and her family enjoy a wonderful vacation, I trust. It is a joy to be back with you. And big guest right out of the box now on the program. First up, is Father Jeffrey Kirby. I heard from producer Jim that this was a guest he was really looking forward to because they were at Franciscan University together at the same time. And I know in our beautiful, small Catholic world in the body of Christ, you just realize we are definitely all a family. And Father Kirby has a brand new book, in particular, talking about the issues of our day, eight of the most thorny and challenging social landmines of our current culture from abortion to immigration to LGBTQ ideology, critical race theory, the male priesthood, and so much more. And best of all, this book is like a manual size that you can refer to. It's so beautifully outlined, and we're going to get into the structure of it as well. The name of it is Sanctify Them in Truth, How the Church's Social Doctrine Addresses the issues of our time. Again, it's a brand new book. The studio line here is one 914 to be part of the show. So let's jump in. Father Kirby is pastor of Grace Catholic Church in the Diocese of Charleston in Indian Land, South Carolina. He is an author and was given the John King Moosey Award for faithful service to the church. He earned a bachelor's degree from the Pontifical Gregorian University and has a master's degree in bioethics and licentiate in moral theology, which is important, and that will come into our conversation. Also a doctorate in sacred theology. Joining us now is Father Kirby. Welcome to Trending. Thank you. Good to be on the show. Thank you. It's good to have you, Father Kirby. I love the title of your book, Sanctify Them in Truth, the book of St. John, chapter 17, 
Verse 17, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. Was that your inspiration behind the title? Absolutely. That's a high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus there in the upper room where he, he's really begging the Father on, on our behalf to, to make us holy. And, and so as we speak about these you know, difficult issues, issues that uh, regrettably are, are countercultural, that we realize why we're doing this. In the end, we're, we're not fighting you know, political factions. We're not uh, debating in order to have some type of will over others. Uh, we ultimately are doing this because we recognize the truth. We seek to be holy, and we want our neighbors to be holy. We, we want goodness and holiness to triumph. And you give us a roadmap to that. We know it, and as we seek to to sanctify ourselves and others, as you mentioned, sometimes we feel overwhelmed, though, too, because this day, I mean, the crucial culture moment that we're in right now, the very notion of truth is being challenged. When you, you try to dialogue, you, in, you try to instruct in charity, this is what Scripture says, this is what our Lord's Word, this is what natural law teaches. It's difficult when we can't even agree on what is knowable, such as male-female and basic biology. Just today, I saw in the uh, Merriam-Webster di- uh, dictionary that they have changed the definition of the word girl from, originally it was a female child from birth to adulthood. That was how it was defined. Now it reads a person whose gender identity is female. So even the dictionary is being changed. And by us Jim, just simply pointing out what is objective truth, what is reality, it just seems to devolve into ad hominem attacks, and we are called judgmental. And therein lies the lie, because we know that we dare not be so judgmental as to judge God as being mistaken, His commandments, His line in the sand. And so because of that impasse, we see we are in a battle, and this is a battle of conscience and truth, as you mentioned. And the first step in winning is to recognize that it exists. And I think for a lot of those who are in a spiritual slumber, we all now are awake because it is in our own homes, and it's so pervasive. And so So this is important, and we know first that we must become holy, again, as you mentioned and reiterated, but in your pastoral role, Father, I know that you must have an intimate insight on this every day through just the way your role is as pastor in hearing confessions and ministering to families. Was it for you, what prompted you to write this book? Yeah, so so first, to to your main point, I think if any believer— or, or a person of goodwill who is going to speak about truth or even reality, we have to realize that we are now trying to walk into the equivalent of a stadium that has just concluded a major event and everyone is running out of the stadium. And you can imagine this crowd of people just coming out of the stadium while we're trying to get in. And that's the equivalent in terms of you know, just an image of what we're trying to do as, as Christians, as people of goodwill, when we speak about truth. And, and our culture has forgotten uh, even just rudimentary things that can be observable and, and known. So, so the book was written with the acknowledgement of, of the struggle before us. You know, this is not going to be uh, you know, a situation. We're not going to address these issues. And suddenly our neighbor says, oh, my goodness, you're – you're completely right. Gosh, thank you for sharing that with us. You know, <laughs> this is going to be a situation where we're going to speak truth and most likely uh, suffer a, a little bit because of it, whether we'll be ostracized in our neighborhoods or whether, 
you know, Christian families will be, uh, you know, dismissed in their homeowners association or, or, you know, on the sidelines of youth sporting events, you know, be completely shunned and so on. Uh, because a, a movement and a culture that speaks so much of tolerance uh, can be very intolerant uh, to voices of, of truth, reality, voices of, of reason, voices of, of faith. And so I wrote the book as, as an encouragement to, to help those who, who recognize truth, Christians in particular, but, but people of goodwill. And, and each chapter, it goes through the, the, the whole instruction, but, but it also gives you know, the, the point-by-point summary at the end, and, and, and it gives a, a spiritual response as well in, in each chapter. So that, again, we're being reminded that it, we're, we're not out there in order to, you know, to, to win that type of, of, of cultural battle or, or to, you know, be triumphant over our neighbor or something. This is not a, a program or, or campaign in pride, but a real desire in order to speak the truth, to be good Samaritans, to help our neighbor uh, we see what truth is, we, we see how truth can change our lives, and we sincerely in love want to present this truth to our neighbor and, and rally that truth in the midst of our society. So there are eight prominent issues of our day that you lay out in, in what it seems like you've almost done, Father. It's almost like a medical analysis. And, and Dr. Peter Kreef talks about this where you observe the symptoms, you diagnose the disease, you offer a prognosis for the cure and the prescription for the treatment. So can you go into how you've structured this book, both the eight issues that you've outlined and also how you've introduced the different steps, because it is beautiful. You talk about virtue and prayer and also laying the foundation for, for what we should say and making the argument, taking our stand. Yeah, so so very much it will help uh, listeners to, 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 re- to, to realize that uh, I'm a parish priest the vast majority of my ministry is, is among the people of God, with among families, uh, the older generation, uh, among God's people, just in the trenches, uh, in parish life. And so, so oftentimes, you know, we get uh, questions or inquiries, or people would summarize conversations that they have with their coworkers or, or their neighbors, uh, you know, friends, and so on. And really, it was drawn from those conversations and, and requests that eventually I did a homily series and on these different issues and, and I just Googled top 10 issues for Americans today and went through different, uh, you know, links that were sent in this uh, Google search and came up with the eight most prominent that could apply in terms of, of the believer and did a homily series. It was an amazing response uh, to that series that led to a, a, a program for adult formation. Uh, you can imagine about 250 to 350 people, depending on the topic, who are coming every week for adult formation uh, here at my parish. And people were shocked. I was shocked. We don't, we don't get those numbers for adult formation uh, very often. But people you know, wanted to hear what the church had to say, wanted to hear explanations. And, and those sessions were good, too, because I was able to get feedback. You know, so people were asking questions or clarifications or, or posing challenges. And I mention that because if people read the book, I hope the first thing that strikes them is, how accessible and easy to read it is and how it doesn't try to dodge any of the difficulty uh, related to any of these issues. It, it, it goes head on into each issue. And again, it's because it, it, it's, each chapter comes from the trenches, from, from people who are in similar situations as, as the readers might be. So each part, because of that, is each chapter is designed to help the person. So the first part, as you mentioned, it talks about virtues and principles 
from our social doctrine that might help. And that's provided because so oftentimes, because we're in a position where there's so little Christian formation, sometimes even believers may not even know the virtues or the principles from which we're arguing as, as Christians. So be, with each chapter begins with, here's some virtues, here's some principles that can help us. Then the second part of each chapter goes point by point by point, providing instruction, teaching, answers to common objections to each issue. And then the third part is the spiritual response. And again, that third part is there just to remind us why we're doing this as Christians. You know, we seek to, to pursue holiness in our own lives, but also to, to share the good news, the saving message of Jesus Christ, to share the truth and the abundant life that comes from that truth uh, with our neighbors. So each chapter follows that three-part section. So the eight prominent issues are abortion and preeminence, immigration and prudence, so there's the virtue, prudence, the environment and stewardship, LGBTQ movement and complementarity, universal health care, artificial nutrition, hydration and mercy, critical race theory and justice, the male priesthood and gender equality. So those definitely are those hot button issues. And I want to first start with the issue of abortion, the, the abortion in preeminence. And I want to give the number again, because I know that our time is limited. one 914 Just today, I don't know if you saw this, Father, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she was protesting the Dobbs decision in front of the Supreme Court, along with a host of other Democrats, and was arrested. And there was a side note, just for clarity, I want to add this, that she held her hands behind her back to give the appearance, the illusion of being handcuffed, even though she was not handcuffed cuffed at all. The same thing with Ilan Omar, both Democrat members of Congress. And there was a journalist, Morgan Phillips, who was just writing that this was done to, to mock the police and she was smirking. And AOC called on pro-abortion activists to, quote, get into the streets and express their outrage. So we know, and as you mentioned, Father, when there is a crisis, God raises up saints. So for this issue, how can we become a saint when it comes to speaking truth into the issue of abortion in, in a culture like this? Yes, I think the the principle that we can definitely rally around uh, is that prominent topic in Catholic social doctrine of, of dignity. And we speak about dignity. Uh, dignity is not quality of life. Uh, dignity is not determined by a legislative body or by a person's uh, status in, in terms of where they might be in human development. But it's a it's our dignity. It's what defines us as Christians. It's clear for for each. We know each every person is made in the image of God. In secular society, like we can acknowledge dignity that there is a certain recognition that each person has value. This is the basis of all law. You know that there's a value, a, a, a system of rights and responsibilities that is due to each person because of their dignity. So I think we can rally, you know, the the, the understanding of dignity and. and and emphasize as well that you know, if, we're, if we're going to you know, follow uh, what science teaches us and we're going to follow what human reason teaches us, that uh, embryology is clear. I mean, there's a whole field now called embryology because of the development of the medical sciences that, that are precisely about pre-born human life. So th this is in the medical uh, scientific world. So, so I, I think the, the, the realization, the, the observations is clear for people who want to see of course, what we see is oftentimes the argument is, is not based on reason. Uh, people are not concerned about dialogue. Oftentimes, it becomes ideology. And, and as you mentioned in your lead-in, uh, 
you know, this type of ad hominem, this type of, of critique, name-calling uh, that happens. In, in spite of that, as Christians, we are called to speak the truth in love, as St. Paul tells us, and we keep trying to speak that message of dignity, of, of equality, that, which begins in the womb in our society today. Because, you know, contrary to the leadership of some of these social movements, there are a lot of people in these movements who aren't as uh, staunch or zealous as the leadership is. And so we continue to speak truth, uh, even when we're called names or even when we're attacked uh, and, and dismissed. We continue to speak the truth. I think that abortion is one issue we have to make sure we get right. And I think within the household of faith, we have to be careful among some people who try to make abortion just one other life issue. The church is clear that abortion is preeminent. It means it's the first and the highest of all of our life issues. In Catholic social doctrine, there's a hierarchy of truth. So it's not as if all social issues or all life issues are the same as if they're on some type of equal playing field. That's never been our teaching or understanding. There's a hierarchy, and preeminent among all the other life issues is the issue of abortion. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that, because we know Panem at Circensis, you talk about some of the theological bread in circuses, and the liberal theologians, some will say, yes, abortion is terrible, but so are immigration laws, using the seamless garment concept. And so glad that you addressed this in the book. Can you go over that a little bit and about proportionalism? And you touched on that just a moment ago. Yes. So it's helpful for us to realize that there are certain issues that are at the, heart, at the height, at the top of the hierarchy of of, of uh, truth. And those issues are, are never correct. They can never be made right. They are always wrong, no matter what circumstance or what intention is involved. Uh, they're what we call absolute. So that pertains to abortion and euthanasia. And even among abortion and euthanasia, the church gives preeminence to abortion because it's the beginning of life, the very most, the most vulnerable in the beginning of, of our existence. But after absolute moral issues and life issues, you have what's called prudential life issues. This would be capital punishment, immigration, uh, the approach towards poverty, and various other things. Prudential moral issues rely on circumstance and intention. And it's possible that you can have two people with very different opinions on a prudential moral issue, such as immigration, and both can be right so we don't find the kind of absolute status given to the other social or life issues as we see with abortion and euthanasia. That distinction is very important for Catholics to have in their own minds. There are absolute moral issues, abortion and euthanasia, and prudential moral issues. And anyone who tries to make them all the same, so this like equal playing field, what in moral theology we call proportionalism, those people, especially if they're well-trained in theology, they are purposely deceiving other people because what they're saying is, well, here are all these life issues and our goal is just to get as many of them right as possible. And if we get a lot of them right and we have to let some of them go, that'll be okay. So if we get education right and poverty right and we get you know, the justice system, system right and, and all these things are good, but you know, we have to slaughter the unborn, that's okay because look at all these other good things we're doing, right? So that's proportionalism. So again, it goes by proportion, right? So let's just get as many good things as we can. That is in complete opposition to Catholic social doctrine. Like, no, we have these absolute life issues, abortion and euthanasia. 
where people are the most vulnerable, the weakest, they cannot defend themselves. And these are non-negotiable. And it's so good that you're mentioning this because, again, sometimes with the ad hominem, there's a gotcha that I think is utilized and deployed to make one feel feel guilty or what you don't care about this. You only care about the baby or the or the, you know, the embryo. And we know that's not true. And there's a confidence that comes when you have truth on your side and you are well aware and well formed. And that's what you've done through this book. And I want to jump to the male priesthood because in all of these issues just today, there have been so many news headlines. And one of them with the male priesthood was because of Father Anne. This is a woman who claims to be a Roman Catholic priest. She says she was ordained by the Association of Roman Catholic Women Priests, which is not a thing. And, and this is disturbing. But while advocates say it's a gender equality issue, you litigate the defense for the truth of it. Can you help us out with that issue? Yes, I'd like to just point out two things. And, and there are more reasons that are provided in the chapter of the book, but just two things. is uh, First, Anyone who tries to make this a justice argument, well, because men have a right to be priests, therefore, in justice, women have a right to be priests. They completely misunderstand the Catholic priesthood, or, or, or for that matter, ministry or service in the Christian tradition, because no one has a right to the priesthood. No man has a right to the priesthood. Like God calls, the church discerns, and then a vocation is given. But no man or any woman could stand up and say, I have a right to this. So, so the whole premise that they're arguing with is, is mistaken because men don't have a right to the priesthood. Just, so if we try to say, well, well, because men have a right, therefore women have a right. Well, no, men don't have a right to the priesthood. <laughs> no human being has a right to the priesthood. So that, that's just one immediate argument in terms of the, the justice argument we hear. But, but perhaps the one that would be most compelling to most people is in the upper room, that's where, you know, we hear in the Acts of the Apostles, in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles, the Holy Spirit came upon the Twelve and Our Lady. And yet, Our Lady never claimed the authority of the priesthood. So you imagine if anyone had a right, any human being had a right to the priesthood, if we want to use this language, it would have been Mary of Nazareth, who was perfected at conception. And yet Our Lady never claimed. She never thought she should be a priest. She never demanded priesthood. She never exercised the priesthood. So if we could ever say, well, I mean, if women were going to be priests, if this was within God's providential plan, certainly he would have called Mary of Nazareth. <laughs> he would have started right, right? And, and the fact that Our Lady was not called is, again, just one indication that in terms of the priesthood, there's a specific call. There's a complementarity between genders that's respected in this vocation. And within the will of God and the tradition of the Christian faith, uh, only men are called to priesthood. So, uh, again, these are just two arguments I'm giving. There's a lot more development in the chapter, but I think we have to address this. Anyone who tries to say that because only men are called to priestly service in the Catholic tradition, therefore women are second-class citizens, really misses, again, the understanding of ministry. I like Pope St. John Paul II best. He said, look, the focus of the church has never been the priesthood. The focus of the church has always been sainthood. And all are called to be holy. Oh, amen. And as you said, there's so much more within that chapter. So that's just a bit of a, a breadcrumb there. I know we just have a few minutes left. Andrew is on the line. I want to try to make sure that we get Andrew from New Jersey. You are on with Father Jeffrey Kirby. Are you there, Andrew? Yes, I am. Thank you for taking my call. And, uh, You're welcome. Father, I wanted, to, I wanted to thank you very much before you went to, for your book. 
because I feel very, very strongly about what's going on right now. And as you know, as we all know, there's massive confusion out there as to gender ideology, everything that's going on, massive confusion. And I am a devout Catholic. I go to church every Sunday. I work at a church. I love the Catholic Church. But I have to be honest and I have to say that one of the things that really bothers me is that in parish after parish where I go to, this stuff is never talked about from the pulpit. There are some priests out there that do talk about it, and I'll tell you, apostolates like Relevant Radio, EWTN, and these non-parish apostolates all talk about what's going on. But when it comes to the local parish, many parishes stay quiet. I find this very, very disturbing because most teenagers or young adults are not going to turn on to Relevant Radio or EWTN on a Saturday night. Yes, yes. Andrew, uh, first of all, thank you for, for your comments. And, and I'll say this, I, I've, I've also been uh, concerned that more of the Catholic faithful are not hearing this uh, from, from the AMBO, you know, in preaching. My hope is that this book will be a resource not simply to uh, any believer, but also maybe a specific resource to my brother priests, uh, to, to deacons, who will be preaching the gospel, that, that maybe by having this book and, and, and kind of a systematic presentation of these issues, uh, you know, at, at the end of each chapter, I even give bullet points, <laughs> just in case, you know, um, maybe someone got lost in the paragraph or, or part of the chapter, like, you know, or they can't read the chapter, they just need the, the, the highlights. Um, and my hope is that maybe some other homeless can, can find some encouragement and, and, and see this book as a resource, and, and we'll hear more of this. From, from the preaching of the gospel, from, from the Anglo Catholic Mass, because I'll tell you, the faithful want to know, and the ones who don't want to know, uh, this can be helpful for them to realize the Church has reasons for what she teaches, and, and we know that the truth, when it's preached well, uh, when it's covered by prayer, like the truth becomes irresistible. So I hope that this book can be one small step towards resolving uh, th- this situation we see where these issues are not being addressed. Thank you. The name of the book, thank you for your call, Andrew. Sanctify Them in Truth, How the Church's Social Doctrine Addresses the Issues of Our Time. You and Father, by saying we do not compromise with evil, we labor to pursue divine wisdom, we die to ourselves so that we can cooperate with divine grace, we speak truth, we suffer for goodness, and we seek glory, God's glory, in all that we do. Amen. Thank you for your time. Father Jeffrey Kirby, thank you for your courage, your fortitude, your charity, and your willingness to to arm the faithful with such a faithful book. We are grateful for you. God bless you. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Father Kirby, Blessed Mother Ora Pronobis. You are listening to Relevant Radio. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Timory. We will be right back with Enoch, Catholic rapper, next on Trending. Stay with us. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wanna be perfected and virtue like you is. Wanna pray for souls that curse you like you did. Uh. Now you know me better. You're the pen on the letter. A cut from the album Traditionis called Be Like You. I love that one. I love 
all of the tracks. It's Catholic rapper Enoch, and maybe the best rap name ever. It's spelled E-K-N-O-C-K, not Enoch like the patriarch. I can't wait to hear. I know there's a story there. My name is Brooke Taylor, in for Timory, while she and her family are enjoying a vacation as it should be. Joining me now is Fazwaz Yazi, a.k.a. Enoch himself, on the show. So glad to have you with us. Welcome to Trending. Hey, thanks for the invite to hang out, Brooke. I appreciate it. And everybody from Relevant Radio, thank you. You're welcome. We love the album, and I want to sample a few tracks, so looking forward to that and hear the stories. I know there are stories behind each one of the the tracks. And the thing about the rap genre is that it's a blend. It's a blend of poetry and beat, and I feel like in your own life, that's you. There's this blend of the East and the West of tradition and culture, maybe a little dichotomy, too, in there with a rapper and and homesteader. (laughs) But born in northern (laughs) Iraq, a Syriac Christian, immigrated with your family to the United States, at the, at the age of five. Amazing story. Tell us a little about uh, your background. Sure. Thank you so much again. I uh, appreciate it. Yeah, like you said, I was um, uh, born in northern Iraq. Uh, we were baptized, confirmed, uh, Syriac Catholics. Uh, my, uh, my mother's side is actually Chaldean, so I'm both uh, Syriac and Chaldean, right? And, um, and we uh, migrated here to the United States uh, about 1990, 1991, uh, my father always wanted to come to the States. We came here for a, um, I believe it was a, a family visa that my, my uncle petitioned for my mother to be here. So the whole family got a chance to come. And it, it's, it's, it's been a blast ever since. I know uh, uh, at, at the time we were here, uh, my dad got some bad advice. Uh, it was a, I remember uh, right after 9-11, uh, we get this knock on the door. And, and the bad advice that my, my, my poor father had gotten um, was uh, uh, to miss a certain court date that he needed to make. Uh, uh, we were determined to, to, to make everything uh, right, do everything legal. And uh, we ended up getting this knock on the door and uh, they come in and, and separated my uh, families. And uh, my brother and I ended up in, in, in juvenile hall for about a couple of months. Uh, but uh, in 2012, uh, thanks be to God, we became citizens of this beautiful country. And uh, uh, we've been here ever since. And uh, that's, that's been us. Uh, my brother and I grew up in the 90s. And, and, you know, the golden era of hip-hop. So um, that's pretty much in our background here. And it all comes together in your album. So now you're all grown up, and I know that you've made a life change, and you have a homestead, right, with your wife and your children? Correct, yeah. We were, um, when, we, when we came from the Middle East, uh, we went straight to California, and we've been there ever since. Uh, it's just, uh, we were integrated into that culture. And uh, it was about... 2022 years ago uh when we decided we knew we wanted to homestead and in california was almost impossible to do so and uh we ended up moving to kentucky and my wife and i uh we, we have our four kids now uh got a chance to to buy some land and to homestead here so we got our our, our chickens and our and our, and our and our meat and our garden and our dogs and uh we're having we're having a blast homesteading here it's a culture shock <laughs> difference between california and kentucky but we're having we're having fun but so full and fantastic. I'm imagining with the rooster in the background and then you in your studio <laughs> with your beats and the album that we're talking about now is Traditionis. And I and I want to set up the cover for those that haven't seen the the front of it. It's a profile with you and your cool beard and you have a pipe and your image right. is transparent. So we see coming through the background, the Blessed Virgin Mary glowing the most radiant way before the candles. And then it looks like a shadow of the Catholic Church in the background with a part of a phrase in Latin. 
Manhattan that's visible. I mean, wow, you talk about packing a lot in one image. And so from there, it gives us a bit of the heartbeat of what this, what this is about. But take us into the mission of this album and how it came to be. Sure. Uh, so this wasn't um, my first rodeo, to be, uh, believe it or not. My brother and I had started rapping back in seventh grade. Uh, again, it was influenced from the culture from the 90s. Um, you had uh, a lot of rappers at the time. that Rap was just really starting to get uh, into, into pop culture at the time. And we were also influenced into that, and we started writing music. You don't want to hear my first song. It's horrible that I wrote back in eighth grade. But uh, as we started getting better in our, in our penship game, and uh, we didn't really put anything in wax until by 2005, 2006. It was secular music, but it was clean. Uh, no cursing in my mom's house. That was where the studio was. So um, we ended up uh, switching over to Catholic Lab by 2008, 2009. And by 2011, we put our first album called Spirit vs. Flesh. We were signed to a record label, Catholic record label. Um, things didn't work out. They ended up selling us back our masters. And, uh, and I took about 10 years off, and mainly because I got married, had four kids, and, and, and life happened. And it wasn't until March of 2020, uh, Michael Lofton, who runs a, uh, a YouTube channel called Reason and Theology, had made a beat. I sent it to me, and he said, hey, can you put a verse into this? I know you used to rap. And I was like, I haven't done this in a long time. So I picked up whatever little microphone I had, and Audacity as my uh, platform, and I, I, I put a verse to that beat that he had asked me to, and something sparked within me, and I just knew I, I, you know, I wanted to make music again. That was that nice little spark. And uh, six months later, Traditiones came out. <laughs> so that was, that was the fun part. And the substance behind it, I think that's what's really important and what has piqued a lot of interest is you are very clear in the mission of truth, beauty, goodness, blended in this format, this genre. Who do you hope to reach and what is the overall message of this mission of the album? Sure. No, thank you for that. That's um, it's high praises. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, that, that's what I try to to, to embody into that into that album. Um, calling it traditionist is because I really want the tradition, the authentic faith, to to come out not only in in, in the faith but also the the traditional understanding of the natural law and how the you know, God intends the world uh, um, to operate with with us. So you know, we have songs like. Um, uh, what was that song? Uh, gender roles, uh, talking about the beautiness of the, of, of the household and the husband and the wife and the children of the domestic church. Uh, so, and I, and I really just wanted to, to signify as much as I possibly could the authentic understanding of the Catholic faith uh, in, in every song and going deeper in theology. And what I really wanted to do was to reach uh, authentic Catholics, but also uh, those who are kind of falling away from the faith. Um, Maybe some some of those who might be lukewarm, you know, they got their foot in uh, and foot out, uh, and who but who like rap, who, who like secular uh, music, to kind of listen to this and and, and say, hey, this sounds, you know, this could sound like a, like, a, like a radio song, but it has d- in depth uh, uh, Catholic um, content. I want to play one cut. This is the very first, just a snippet. So we're going to do that now. I think Jim has it sure. ready. This is this is die for you. Uh, let's take a listen. Seven. 
back to the time of the patristic It was captured by the Romans and they own your addiction Put my head in the guillotine with my mystic friends You can bring me back to life and I would do it again I can miss in my life jacket, I fasten the flow This world is a journey, I'm not attached to this boat Fossils and metacarpals of apostles who wrote Gospels of hope, echo my conscience of folk Opposite popes, like St. Peter crucified me upside down I would gladly oblige with okay. the Enoch did I just did you actually rhyme metacarpals with apostles? <laughs> what? That's amazing. Only a Catholic could do that. Is that did I hear that right? Metacarpals with apostles? Was that the yes, lyric? Yes, um, yeah, fossils of metacarpals of apostles, yes. Wow. I mean, that gets our Catholic hearts burning right there. That's extra points. And when I when I think about, you know, just the importance of the message of holy masculinity, you talked about that in setting up the mission of your album is natural law and gender roles, the nuclear family, the beauty of a rightly ordered marriage and the roles there. And you did talk about gender roles. Uh, Jim, I wonder if we could pull that one up. I think it's number three. And I want to play a clip and then have you tell us about that one. Here it is. Sure. Look around you, crazy world. And I ain't supposed to be a man no more. It's the reason we don't fail. Bring back all the men those who are running scared. Oh, you go raise the children. Okay, so that is definitely a traditional gender role song, and it almost sounds <laughs> provocative because you say, you go raise the children, and so you think the feminist hearing that would be so offended by that. Have, has anyone commented on that? Or I think it's so beautiful, and it's so important. These are <laughs> fundamental truths that have gotten sure. lost along the way. Yeah, believe it or not, nobody's commented on that yet. I, I think because... Um, so far, the album has really reached folks who have just piqued the interest of folks who, who agree with you and me uh, regarding of the husband going out to work and then the wife staying home, taking care of the kids, educating in the virtue. Um, but I also put a point in there that, you know, our help wash the dishes, which signifies that the, uh, the, the, the role of the, the father in the household is not just to bring in the money, but also to to to, to rise up to the the challenge of taking care of the duties at home as well, taking care of the children and helping out the wife. So, um, yeah, believe it or not, nobody has said anything uh, um, regarding that uh, that song, which uh, surprised me because I thought I was going to get some pushback. I love it. And I think that you also go into the lyrics talking about in virtue and prayer, like you said, that that is your responsibility and providing. And John Paul II wrote many times, all humanity passes through the family and just holding up the beauty of our God-given mm. roles and, and the nobility and the dignity of those roles is so beautiful. And right. and I know that throughout the album, there is that thread. There's also under construction. I know that's one of your favorites. Could you talk a little bit about that one? Sure. Yeah. Um, thank you again. And I love what you said. That's, that's a very beautiful way of saying it. Uh, as far as under construction goes, um, when I had when I had received the, uh, the instrumental from the producer, uh, I didn't know what to do with it yet. So I, I sat with that one for a while as I was working on other songs for the album. 
but then I, I, I realized that, you know, I'm big in the, uh, the, the spiritual theology and, and the understanding of the purgative stage and the illuminative stage. And I, I really wanted to, to put a song out there that I think everybody could relate to. And under construction is just this, this soul who comes to the sense of the faith. And now it's entered this purgative stage where God is really starting to purge some of the vices that he's been attached to and eradicating that mortal sin that he's been attached to. And, and you know, entering deeper in the sense of the spiritual life and growing in virtue. So it sounds called under construction. That's why you hear me say, you know, st- stuck in my purgative stage and in, in, in pretty much the, the end of the second verse. But um, that's pretty much what it was about. And I just... I'm big on lyricism. Uh, I, I, I love different types of lyrics, um, metaphors, multiple syllable rhymes. That's why you're here in the middle. Me go, um, got my dividend saying, but I'm living in sin, belittling friends. Uh, so it's just putting some multiple syllable rhymes, but making it all make sense. Um, I, I think it's really got to, it challenged me not only to write it, but to perform it and get it to sound in my head the way it sounds in reality. And we are going to play a portion of that after the break. You also have a powerful challenge to men in that, too. And that's the part that I want to play. So hang on. My name is Brooke Taylor filling in for Timory. How may we pray for you? The Family Rosary from Coast to Coast is coming up with Father Rocky after the program. Today, we meditate on the sorrowful mysteries. That's on the way after trending. We are speaking with Enoch, traditional Catholic rapper. More with him next. We'll be right back. talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This goes out to all you men out there who are inclined to submit yourself to the lowest faculties in the most pathetic manner. You effeminate man think you were created in order to consume endless amount of pleasure without any consequences? Put your damn video games and smartphones down and pick up something heavy. Something arduous for once. Pray daily. Submit yourself under the interior discipline. You are listening to Under Construction. It is a track on the album Traditionis by Catholic rapper Enoch. Joining us on Trending, my name is Brooke Taylor in for Timory. Enoch, that challenge right there, it, I want to repeat what you said. Put your smartphones down and pick up something heavy. Do something arduous. Pray daily. That is powerful. So for, for a husband, for a father, this asceticism, this regimen of the soul, it's something I notice you talk about a lot through the album. Is that something you've always had? Is that something you've learned to develop? And and how are you passing that on to your sons? Because when you say that line, it seems like it comes from a place of great conviction. Sure, uh, it's not, not something I've always had. Um, unfortunately, I um, I had something that I had to learn, and I even had to learn after my uh, uh, my marriage. And uh, of course, it's made uh, me uh, the best person I could possibly be. And I'm still growing. Uh, it wasn't until um, I really got my, my hands on, on the great Father Ripperger who really, you know, got that in, uh, infused in me and, and to help me understand that this is what manhood looks like, the interior discipline. Um, and then looking at the saints, uh, it became so clear to me of what they were talking about once I had the knowledge in my head uh, what, what this was, the asceticism was all about. 
Uh, and as far as my, my children goes, it's just um, it, you know making sure that uh, they're they're growing in virtue. Uh, I like to try to figure out what particular uh, vices or inclinations that my children are going through. But sometimes you could you know I, I'll, I'll do that just looking at their um, temperament, and I try to you know, pick at those to, to to help them grow. Because last thing I want to do is leave them either you know emotionally stumped. Because uh, a lot of times right now, you know, I was doing youth ministry for 10 years, and one of the things that I realized with youth ministry was a lot of times you have 15, 16-year-olds going through confirmation, but, uh, you know, sometimes they have the emotional capacity of, of younger than their age because they haven't really understood growing in virtue. And I, I really started to learn that and try to pass it on to my kids, help them grow in virtue as best as I can. You also have, in addition to this album, I saw in a recent rap battle. It's a Catholic versus Lutheran <laughs> rap battle with Adam Prince. I wanted to pull it, but it's actually hard. I think it has to be really viewed and heard as it's presented. So I didn't present any clips here, but that just invites people to go to YouTube because it is posted there, right? Yes. Yeah. It's on my YouTube channel, uh, Enoch and Elijah CMC, which is Catholic music channel. Yeah. I, I had, I thought about this a while ago. I, I, I wanted, I thought to myself, you, know, you got Roberts and Janice and James White, and you got all a lot of the um, the Protestant versus the Catholic debates that they go on with apologetics and such. And I said, you know, how come nobody's doing a rap form where, uh, you know, we can go back and forth, but in a rhyme form and be a little bit more creative. Now, we start maybe about ten different Protestant or, or different uh, denominational uh, rappers, and uh, Adam was the only one who who came out and said, "Hey, let's do it," and I was proud of that. And, which is great because he, he's a great lyricist himself, uh, which was more challenging. And that was fun. That was really fun to do. So I encourage people to check that out. That's really neat. So you did a back and forth, basically, for those that don't know, where, where he rapped about the, the Lutheran tradition and Protestant, and then you answered that with Catholic apologetics in, in rhyme and melody fashion. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it was uh, uh, three rounds. Uh, we went. Uh, he went first. I think the first the first one where he went, uh, he was trying to defending Luther uh, when I was just trying to show why Luther was wrong. Uh, and then I think this, the second round, uh, we, we went more uh, Marian, uh, was defending Our Lady. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was the three rounds to definitely encourage people to check that out. Well, God bless you for what you're doing. I know that you are also working on a, a second album. And isn't there a track you're working on that's based on the screw tape letters? Yes, uh, the second album, uh, believe it or not, Brooke, in my personal opinion, uh, I'll let other people judge, but I think it's actually better than Traditionis. Um, so uh, there is a track called uh, Temptation that I'm working on where the, um, the, the higher demon is showing, is, he's in a classroom setting training uh, the lower demons and how to tempt a single person, a married person, a seminarian, and a priest. So there's four verses to that. Uh, and I just put that in rhyme form, and that was actually a really challenging to, to write, but I finally got a chance to finish it. Wow. How can we follow your work and, and support what you're doing? Sure. Thank you. Uh, so my, the album for this Jonas is actually on uh, all the uh, digital streams. a lot easier nowadays to, uh, to, to put stuff out there than it used to be. So uh, Spotify, uh, uh, YouTube, uh, you can download it on Amazon Music or uh, Apple Music. 
or um, you can uh, head over to my YouTube channel and and and, and just subscribe to check that out. Uh, I don't have any page or anything like that, or or I just just want to make music, put it out there so that the uh, the Catholic community can enjoy. Well, there are fantastic tracks, Die for This, and I'm talking about Traditionis, uh, Gender Roles as We Played, Be Like You, Under Construction, St. Alphonsus, which I love. We didn't get a chance to go into that. Don't Lose Your Soul. That one, I think, is especially for young men, really everyone, talking about chastity, right? Correct. Yes, that is a uh, uh, specifically a chastity song, um, an anti-porn song, yeah. And maybe, Jim, you could take us out with number eight, Litany of Saints. If you could set this up, Enoch, it is what you wrote about the Litany of Saints. Tell us a little bit about this before we play a clip. Sure, yeah. Uh, Litany of Saints was actually one of the instrumentals that I got that I was just going to do a, a normal rap form to it. But I decided uh, the way that the, the cadence of music was going, I was going to allow my, my voice to just be a percussion. So I got a list of all the saints, and I tried to go in alphabetical order and kind of tweak their names so I could make it rhyme. And I just really wanted to put the saints out there as much as I can, just in case someone hears a saint that they don't know, they can look them up. One of my favorite saints, St. Vincent Ferrer, is on there. And you got you know, Linus, Aquinas, I have St. Dismas on there. So it, it was a really fun track to write. It about 15 Martin. minutes, mainly because it was easier to, to copy and paste some of those names down. Let's, let's listen to that now. We talking about all sets of Achilles, Agatha, Agnes, Augustine, the Ambrose, the Anselm, the Fawcett, Bees and Bernards, Bridget, the Blazer, the Boniface, Bruna, Basil, the Great, Catherine, Cecilia, Cornelius, the Pope, Cyprian, Cyrus, Clement of Rome, Damien, Dominic, Dennis, and Ephraim of France, Martin Deporis or a Pronobis, you go through the litany, literally. It's beautiful. <laughs> Again, we will support you. We will pray for you. Up until about 1750, music was composed always to serve a specific function, usually within the church. And today, you just see how the the secular has almost, it has eclipsed the sacred and music is supposed to call us to heaven. It evokes the transcendence. So it's a beautiful thing. I think it's one of the reasons I'm so excited to hear what you're doing, that it's hopeful. The souls you're reaching, the work you're doing, it's thoughtful, it's holy, it challenges us. And it sounds really good too. So God bless you as you grow in your mission. And thank you for joining us, Enoch. Thank you again for the invite. I really appreciate hanging out with you guys. God bless everyone, and, and uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so much thank you to uh, my guest today, both, Father Jeffrey Kirby. We talked about his book, Sanctify Them in Truth, How the Church's Social Doctrine Addresses the Issues of Our Time. That book, the information will be up in the show notes on trending. Much appreciation to Enoch for joining us this hour as well. And in both cases, reminding us that the meaning of life is to be a saint. A saint is a totally single minded person. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's Matthew 12, 30. And that is total. It is absolute. So we pray for the grace to give him all as the great saints have done, as we have heard Father Kirby talk about embracing truth, having courage to speak and be conformed to Christ. And we lift up our world, we unite our sorrows as we pray the sorrowful mysteries together. That is coming up, the family rosary across America. My name is Brooke Taylor, in for in for Timory. God bless you and thank you to Jim and thank you for joining us tonight. You know, the word is spreading around America. This is the go-to place if you've got a prayer. 
And you know what? The whole country prayed for it. So I invite people to join us every night for the Family Rosary Cross America Live. 7 p.m. Central. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant Radio.